You're not recording, are you? Let, let's start again. I'm recording again. Are you? Scotty, I'm always recording. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I don't know how many times one of us can be incompetent. It is exactly the same thing. <laughs> At the same time. I mean, there's a red light and it flashes and numbers move. No. How hard can it be? No, that's the problem. It's like on this particular recorder, it's flashing when it's waiting to get your attention and then turns solid red when it is. To me, it's very bad UX. But and <laughs> So we're blaming the UX designers now for our inability to record a podcast week on week. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. I have a sinking feeling that you have no progress to report on your sinking project, so maybe I should just go ahead and get to my segment. You know, you, Actually, no, because I, I, I have to return to the thing that, that, that I think that you, we're going to be talking about sinking longer than we talked about Avtag not shipping. <laughs> yeah, uh, that would be quite desperate, wouldn't it? It would be. <laughs> you, you, you know your project's in trouble when you start talking about ship dates in terms of multiple AVTAGs. Yeah, it, it will take longer yeah. than the, the conception of AVTAG, the non-shipping of AVTAG, and then the, the shit-canning of AVTAG, which <laughs> it's, that's, like, that's whole epics. Those aren't just like time things. Those are, those are eras. Uh, of course, uh, more recent listener uh, won't have any idea what we're talking about with AVTAG, uh, so, um, you know, they mean to go back through the archives and, and see that uh, our good friend of the show, Simon Wolf, uh, started developing an app on the site called Avtag many years ago and used to do the Avtag diaries um, for us, which the report was each week. Didn't do it. <laughs> Got too busy with work. <laughs> So, um, I actually know the sinking is making more progress than um, uh, uh, than, than, than that. But um, as sinking is an asynchronous exercise, I'm going to start sync now. Uh, you can give us your bit, and by the time the call comes back, I can uh, re- report for you what sinking is happening. So, John, what have you been up to this week? Well, Scotty, I told you I was doing everything to wring every last bit of performance out of this player I've been working on. And I was very proud of myself uh, for doing something uh, which turned out to be too clever by half. And that was the deferring the loading of the zip file that contains the, the player controls um, until after playback actually begun. And the reason for that is you don't need it, you know, and there are some cases where, you know, it, it, you don't need it. And some, some players, some usage of this player won't ever want graphical controls. They just want the video playing. Um, but I wanted to add the, the nice... Uh, Lottie-based animation, the the loading spinner, um, which also allows you to do things like replay and, and, and restart in case there's a problem. And that was bound up in the player control zip that I had. And the reason for that is that it had to be in a very particular hierarchy. And so... Um, I went to, to programmatically uh, create that, that, that Lottie animation and, and load it and position it in the right place. And again, I was reminded of how much I prefer just setting you know, auto layout constraints in, in Interface Builder because you, no matter what tricks you use and no matter what level of, of, of VFL foo you may employ, it's still useless lines of code as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, uh, so I, I was all happy and I committed it and everything's great. And then I see this, uh, this message on Slack from a colleague saying, dude, 
duh, it'd be kind of cool to be able to pause the video. I just like tap and the player controls go away. It's like, what the fuck? Um, and so I said, well, it's certainly, certainly somebody else's fault, but I will confirm that. And then I had to confirm that it was actually my fault. And the, the reason for that is uh, because when you have zip hierarchy, zip-based layouts, it's very easy to control the, the, the layout of the views. You can see them kind of on, on, on the left-hand side. The further below it is, the further on top it is on the view. And so you could be very precise about where you placed it. And I was just hiding that 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 spinner, that loading animation, um, by baiting it to alpha. And but and that was fine. But it happened to have been behind a stack view controlling, you know, containing some other buttons. So when I was pro- went to programmatically creating the the loading spinner and just put it on top of the view, when it came time for playback to to take place, uh, I was inserting the the view hierarchy decoded from the zip file behind the the spinner which was essentially I could either put the whole thing on top or put the whole thing behind. But in fact, what I really wanted to, to recreate was the exact hierarchy that I had when the loading spinner was part of that player controls zip file, but I can't. So I was thinking, all right, well, this shouldn't be a problem. Once the, the view hierarchy is, is added, uh, I'll just look for the handy-dandy UI view methods to just you know switch positions. And there are very, very simple methods for moving a view in, in a sub-view to the front or to the back, and there are ones for exchanging by index, but then you have to think, oh my god, that's too much of a pain in the butt. Um, and so I just did something a little bit simpler, which was to to uh, hide the 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 spinner when the animation stopped. It's not enough just to 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 make it alpha zero because even alpha zero view can still accept touches, and and it's accepting touches and it's just swallowing them and not passing them back uh, back behind to the the play pause button, and. It made me think a little bit about this because of something that happened this past weekend, which I'll tell you about in a little bit, but I'm going to pass it back to you right now, Mr. The Scotty. And I have returned in a completion handler. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, what have I been... I think, yeah, remember last week I said um, we were using Wasabi, which was like an S3 clone for syncing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of reasons we're going to use Wasabi is, firstly, uh, the cost of storage is cheaper than S3. Um and yeah, so that's always good. But equally, Wasabi don't charge for data transfer, whereas S3 does. So it, you know you can just get significant savings um, from that. So it's you know as far as we're concerned, because we don't know how much data we're going to be storing, um, you know, setting off on that path seems a sensible economic choice to us. Um, however, it turns out Wasabi isn't quite a one hundred percent perfect S3 clone. Um, so S3 doesn't support the concept of um, folders. Uh, it just has a bucket and you chuck everything in it. You can have multiple buckets, but there's no like subfolder hierarchy within S3. Um, however, you can sort of, what, what a lot of people do and what Ensembles does is will include file names with forward slashes in them uh, to sort of simulate a folder structure within a bucket if that makes sense. Uh, unfortunately, it, it seems that Wasabi doesn't support the forward slash as a valid character and a file name, uh, which means Ensembles doesn't work <laughs> with with, um, uh, with Wasabi out of the box. Now, remember I said that the way Ensembles works when, you, um, when you're using something like uh, S3 is, is the back end, is it had a node... Um, little node app that sat between um, ensembles and S3, or in our case, was Wasabi, and that would receive 
the requests from ensembles for the things it needed to do, the files it needed to upload, the files it needed to get down, and the the Node app would do things like get you know um, pre-signed URLs and all that sort of stuff. Um, so because we had that, and I was talking last week about we were rethinking of maybe just rewriting that app in Vapor because we'd want to add some additional stuff to it, and if we're going to be maintaining it, then we prefer it to be in Swift. So I did that. So because we're doing that, that's fine. We're now just got an extra layer of um, uh, processing that goes in there that you know when Ensemble sends a request for a file that contains forward slashes in, they're getting translated into a different set of characters before being passed on to Wasabi, and when files uh, come back from uh, Wasabi, they um, uh, have a different... um, uh, they get translated back the other way, so that it's all all hopefully works. Uh, (laughs) Not quite got everything going yet, but the bits that are going seem to be working fine. Um, So, you know, so we've basically written half of the... Re- rewritten the back end stuff for uh, for all this, but one of the other things that um, we struggled with is, of course, you know, you want to use the the, the way um, Wasabi is set up is you're just supposed to use the um, uh, Amazon S3 SDK, but change the endpoint um, in it so that you can, and it will just end up going to uh, Wasabi instead of S3, and it supports the same API endpoints. Uh, now, when you're using the Node SDK and things like that, or the PHP SDK, uh, they're all sort of fairly mature and allow that. Whereas um, we found that looking at some of the pure Swift um, versions of the SDK, now you can't you can't just like use the iOS or the Mac SDK because this is going to be running on on a Linux box. You have to ensure that any Swift um, third-party code you use is pure Swift. It doesn't drop into, um, you know, it doesn't have any Objective-C runtime stuff in it at all uh, of any form. So that, that that cuts some things out. And it turns out that then some of these other Swift um, open-source things are hard-coded to S3 and don't allow certain things like region endpoints and whatever to be changed. So it took a little bit of research to find um, uh, one that, was that a bit more flexibility in it? And then, of course, you start finding bugs in them because they're fairly immature, um, and you're thinking, oh, or things that you'd like to do, um, and then you realise that uh, you go and have a look, and you realise that you know someone made a pull request to fix this bug, you know, nine weeks ago, and it's not been done. So you're now starting to think this is a pretty, you know, whoever's looking after this library isn't looking after it that actively. Um, uh, and, and so that becomes a problem. So what we've effectively done is made a decision on that one that because because the S3 SDK doesn't change very much, we've just cloned the repo. We've taken our responsibility for the source code ourselves, and we've just you know, fixed it, fixed some bugs, added some extra features we wanted to do it. But you know, all of that ended up being extra work that wasn't actually doing the syncing. So this is where I was you know, saying... You know, last week about you know the the circle keeps uh, uh, never ending, or the spiral keeps never ending. So, although I have a, a basic sort of um, sync running with ensembles right now, it's taken 
uh, a lot longer to get there than you know just plugging ensembles into an app and saying go so uh but at the same time it's been an interesting exercise i've learned a lot more about wasabi and vapor and uh, ensembles as i go but um yeah i've had a couple of questions on twitter about you know uh, uh, you know isn't this a bit you know um risky you know not using you know why don't i just use something more stable like the node or you know maybe a rails back end or something but you know the the rather than vapor and swift but the it's about five endpoints that are doing some pretty simple things and just acting as a conduit between ensembles in S3 or in our case Wasabi. So I don't, I don't think we're taking too many risks there. It's not like it's um and you know and if it did turn out to all go, you know um south, then you know we could replace it with a node backend in you know almost immediately. So then we're good. But there we are. That is the ever ending, ever never, sometimes maybe avtag ending <laughs> saga of, of, of getting uh sync sort of at least established and set up um so uh, yeah interesting to see how much more of this fiddling it takes or whether i'm going to be able to say to you next week yeah now this is just about making the app integrations work as opposed to just making the infrastructure work so yeah it's been um but at the same time it's, it's frustrating but it's been reasonably fun and interesting work as well um you know it's playing with stuff that's the and, and i'm you know i've been working on a client project using react native for a long long time so just working in pure swift again and i'm working in xcode um uh 10 to beta 4 and we're using swift 5 so yeah there are there are some nice plus fun sides to it as well and, and i've done the thing that i said i wouldn't do i i just now am mixing an objective c and swift code base in the framework because anything new is just going into swift because it just feels funny writing new stuff in objective c um uh and the moment it causes a problem being new in objective in in swift then i'll you know i'm happily write a class in objective c if that makes it easier but yeah so there we are that has been my week a week of breaking my own rules and um doing work that maybe i could have avoided doing if i'd chosen other options but it's still been quite good fun so i'd say just a normal developer week myself i think that segment should be titled ah fuck it just chuck it in the bucket which is what you should have done. Said you, 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 instead of just doing that, you said, "Ah, fuck it, let's create five different layers of indirection across two programming languages." <laughs> and and so, but 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 it, it's. I had no idea that that somebody did this. I mean, about wasabi, um, it's kind of interesting because. It's on the on the surface. It sounds good, you know. Just pay for the storage and not for the inbound and and presumably outbound. Or I'm, I am guessing just the inbound traffic. Um, but does the, you know you're not paying for it? But it's still the cost exists there. Are you possibly paying by things taking longer than if they were going to to S3, where you're you're paying for maybe a clearer um, data pipe to it? Only time is going to tell. But you know the the wasabi tagline i'm going to get this wrong but your uh, principle site is is um you know half the cost five times the speed mm. or something like that uh and it is pretty darn fast um and if you look at their cost charts um once you start getting up into lots and lots of um terabytes uh it's it's you know a significant difference i mean i can't i can't remember um what number we use but i know that the you know we, we we put a big number in to to do our math into the calculator and you know that big number worked out if we ever got to that big number then our uh wasabi annual bill would be about ten thousand dollars 
um, okay, yeah, I know what it was. It was we assumed that you had this amount, a certain amount of storage, and you had a one hundred percent download of it. So at some point, the whole thing came down. So you, that, that's the amount of transfer you're going to have to to work out. Um, now it you know, could be less, could be more, but it, we're thinking because you know, it's sync, it's you, know, you you want to get it all down at some point, so you can have a minimum of a hundred percent download. Um, so I think you know, based on some reasonably big numbers, numbers that we're not likely to necessarily reach, or if we are, we're being very successful, so we probably won't really care. Um, but the Wasabi bill was going to work out at ten thousand dollars for the year. Whereas for that level, the Amazon bill was going to be something like $97,000 for the year. So significant difference. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Well, the only other thing that I've ever heard that something similar to that is, you know, Flickr uh, had, you know, started many, many things. But I think one of the things I first remember is is a beautifully documented public API in multiple languages with lots of examples. And as a result, lots of people would just use Flickr for for things that, for, for for purposes they may not have ever thought of, um, and so then along came another photo sharing software whose name I can't remember, but it was a it was a brilliant piece of of engineering and, and chutzpah by essentially one maybe two people, and they they realized that they probably wouldn't get much traction on their own, so they ended up saying, well, we'll clone the Flickr API. Uh, which I think they did, but they still ran into a lot of the problems that a lot of libraries, other people were using, were hard-coded to talk to Flickr endpoints, and there was no way to, to comfortably change those things, which is uh, it's an interesting strategy in the end, kind of that. the uh, Oh, Zoomer was the name of it, Z-O-O-O-M-R, something along those lines. Um, but uh, it, it's just an interesting bit of history. It's like, you know... the. It's almost like a chess game of of, of API compatibility. I mean, A three S three is the de facto standard, and in, in you know the way I guess the majority of people go, and I, I guess there is a risk that Wasabi as a service disappears. However, uh, it's been around for a while. I mean, it's not brand new, so you know it's it's not something like someone has just literally started up. So it has that going for it, and it would be incredibly unusual for a service like this to just close down overnight uh you would normally get you know it, you know i think worst case scenario someone would say we're going to shut down in 30 days something like mm-hmm. that yeah which would be a complete nightmare but let's say but because it is you know uh be, because it is an s3 clone um and because everything in the app goes through the conduit of our server, uh, we could just migrate the whole thing to S3 in however long that data transfer took, change the URLs being used by our backend, and it should all just keep working and no one would even know that we moved. Um, mm. So although, so I, I guess that it, although there is a... a um, uh, a, a small risk by using a different service to the the you know the de facto standard. I think the you know, it's a calculated risk, not a stupid risk, and, right. and that I think we can and and a risk that has got an you know unless something really disastrous happens, it's got a, a you know a, a, an out to it if the risk sort of fails. So I think we'll be okay. Well, only time will tell. Yeah, <laughs> when, yeah. when I'm destitute in a few years' time because our our app syncing failed and the whole world sued us. 
because mm. uh, we got our yeah. terms of usage wrong <laughs> and became responsible for everybody's data. Uh, you'll know I was uh, a complete idiot. But there we go. Yeah. So, so John, you you spent some time uh, this week, no, a weekend, uh, doing some robotic stuff or watching some robotic I, stuff, didn't you? I did, and it had some interesting life lessons. So, the foul child uh, has been uh, involved in a robotics team at his school, and he goes to a performing arts school, um, and it's a very good one. And they've had a robotics team uh, about started five. It's in its fifth year now. Um, and robotics is there's this thing called first, which is itself a, an acronym, uh, and I can't remember what it is. Like, you know, first it's an acronym within an acronym because it's FRC, the first robotics competition, and that's been around I think since 1998. And it's just basically a high school competition. It's it's all over the world now. Um, but as you might imagine, since it was started in California, you know, the 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 real powerhouse teams for this type of stuff are down in Silicon Valley. Um, and so it's a competition where you are given 12 weeks to build a robot within a certain range of, of specifications that will then perform on a course in, in something like two minutes. And the courses are, are redefined each year, but fundamentally they involve uh, your robot performing certain tasks and point values are associated to each of the different subtasks. And uh, teams go to competitions where where a single robotic team will actually be on on a on a, an alliance uh, on a side. So there'll be like a blue team and a red team on either end of the field, and each team consists of three teams of robotics. So there'll be six robots on the field at any given time that are operated by by uh, uh, three different teams on each side, and. Uh, your robots are 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 scored individually for what they do during a certain part of the play, and during this play, this is uh, when you know teams will see you know kind of how well your robot performs and how well you drive it and and how good you are as a team, because in the end, the 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 semifinals of the of a of a match involve. Um, uh, teams kind of basically forming on their own where they pick. So instead of being randomly assigned of play in the end, you, you get chosen. And so during the course of the play, one of the things that, that our, 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 our team, you know, my son's team, uh, discovered that uh, one of the tasks was to get your robot up to a, a platform. So there were three levels of platform, one which had a ramp, which you could just, you know, kind of drive a robot up. There was a little bit of a lip, so it wasn't totally smooth, so slightly challenged, but not really. And then you had a platform that was whatever, kind of half a meter off the, the off the ground, and another one that was more challenging was closer to a meter off the ground. So the more sophisticated robot kind of jacking mechanism you had, the higher you could go, and 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 that's for the end of the play. That's after you've gone and done things like put balls into into containers or to to you know take a, a, a kind of a disc which has a, uh, Velcro around the edge of it, you know pull one from a location and use it to, to, to plug a hole so that then you could empty a ball, you know, above it and it would hold on to it. So it was kind of simulating a type of, of cargo mechanism where you have to apply a hatch and then put some cargo in it. Um, and so it, it, that's, it's, it's pretty complicated, but that's about as simple as I can make the explanation. But after the robots have done their thing, they have to kind of return to home base and you get more points the higher the level of platform you get your robot to. So the super ones uh, have like these these jacking mechanisms or kickstand you know, mechanisms. It's rather sophisticated hydraulics all under software control. Um, and some of them are, are pretty artful. They almost look like, you know, 80s era break dancers in New York where they'll flip the robot up and parts of the arms are kind of flailing in the air, twisted like a break dancer. It's kind of really cool. And so uh, this year, the, 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 the 
my son's team tried to and did build a, a pretty sophisticated mechanism that could essentially flip the robot over. It's a type of kickstand. And, and so it was something that um, they were very proud of. And but during the competition, there was some uh, there was a point where it, it became damaged and they couldn't use it. But <laughs> their driver is both a skateboarder and an avid video game player, and that's why they chose him as the driver because there's certain a lot, certainly a lot of driver skill. Um, and I guess they had discovered during some practice runs that because the the platform, you know, the, the platforms at all have a little bit of ramp, but the ramp is not completely smooth. There's a little bit of lip that if you went fast your robot could could kind of catch air <laughs> as a result it could it could basically ollie like a skateboarding maneuver it could ollie its way up to the second platform which they used to its benefit it was and so people were going nuts over it they just thought it was really cool and funny and, and audacious and it was all those different things and it helped them them do well and score well and and apparently is one of the things that caught the eye of of the number one team in in the world the team 254 uh which had its robot called the cheesy their team was called the cheesy poofs and their robot is just a thing of beauty i mean they, they've been around since the beginning their lead sponsors are literally nasa and and google i mean everybody gets a little bit of money for google but nasa and google you know i, I i'm going to imagine it's because parents worked at both those companies and for the longest time they're operating out of nasa facilities so they, they've been doing it so long they're just like so far ahead it's like michael jordan versus some kid in, in a suburban you know school um, uh, playground but uh, so when it came time to form the final teams 254 chose a team 971 so the top two teams in the world you know the, the top one immediately chose the top two and that left one less slot and so then all the the teams are on the other end of the gym looking around like hoping that somebody asked them to dance and and because uh our son's team my son's team is 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 uh uh, new to this, I guess that maybe the, uh, just looking at the expressions there, it's like, oh, you know, we're not getting invited, not going to get invited. And then the very, very last pick was the, the number one and number two team who had picked first, and they chose uh, my son's team. And so, of course, you know, everybody's elated. We thought this is the best thing in the world because it effectively all but assured a victory, which they did. So my son's team was on the winning alliance. So they, they all get banners. They all won. And they all, as a result, get to go to Houston. And and the reason I told this whole long convoluted story, A, because I'm a proud dad and I think that there's some overlap between, you know, kind of geek parents and, and people and, and, and the listener and a half of this podcast, um, uh, is that sometimes in the and, – and, oh, sorry, one last bit of detail – I was standing in 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 the in the this in in the stands, uh, standing up cheering, and then you know after they pulled this this funny maneuver, a parent from the other team looked at me and said, "Is that by design?" <laughs> and I said, "Absolutely by design." And what I meant for it is like, yes, it's by design that when you are building something, whether it's hardware or software, things will change. You'll discover that something you thought was going to work one way doesn't work because something gets damaged in the field or you didn't think of something, but perhaps there's another way that makes itself apparent and that you should always be prepared to take advantage of the situation. And it's really no different 
there's no difference between discovering and taking advantage of your fact that your robot can ollie its way up on the platform to discovering that because you change the way that you load your view hierarchy for performance, then all of a sudden the, the hierarchy is not exactly what it had been beforehand. And, you know, you were just fading out of view instead of trying to figure out the super complicated way to in real time make the, make the view hierarchy loaded from multiple zips, change position and be exactly as if they'd been loaded for one. Just take advantage of the fact that there's another way and hide the damn view so it doesn't swallow touches and that your robot gets to the platform and people cheer like crazy and you get to go to Houston and and everything is sunny and perfect. Well, congratulations. That sounds like a, you know, a, a great, a great weekend. And, you know, your son must be uh, buzzing. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I'll, I'll post some pictures and, and some video because it is pretty amusing. Cool. So uh, we, we just got a couple of minutes left, not long, but uh, I, I just want to do a um, uh, I want to ask our audience uh, of one and a half people. <laughs> From assistance, for assistance, John, this is totally untech-related. This is just personal, uh, mm. but I'm going to take advantage of, I know, you know, one and a half people um, through podcasting that I, you know, to get to them. So uh, uh, people probably don't know, but my, my wife um, uh, was um, diagnosed with multiple cirrhosis about three or four years ago now. And, uh, you yeah, know, she's been getting quite ill and uh, has gone from a very active mobile person to an immobile person still very active just not very mobile um and i've been saying for i've got a while that you know ms is a very unresearched disease it's an uncurable and untreatable disease um and you know i just i will get around to doing something to raise money for ms research at some point and just you know just do it so you know after far too long i have decided what to do and i wanted to do something that um was challenging uh, because, you know, I, I think if someone does something challenging, it encourages people to be generous in their sponsorship. But at the same time, you know, sometimes you look at these charity things and people say, I'm going to skydive or I'm going to, you know, climb a mountain. You're actually thinking, well, a lot of people pay to do that. <laughs> um, it's no, it, Yes, it is challenging, but it's equally quite fun and quite exciting. So, you know, it, it sometimes feels weird. And equally you know, it costs a lot of money to do. So, you know, you're spending a lot of money to try and raise money. And I didn't want to do any of that. So I wanted to do that. Um, and so I've chosen one about one of the cheapest things you can do, which is to run. Um, so in July, I have signed up for a race, which is a 100 kilometer race. So that's uh, 62 miles in one go for um, people who don't work in kilometers. And uh, um, I'm looking for people to sponsor me just to help support MS. So if... Um, you can uh, spare a, a few pounds, euros or dollars. I will put a link in the show notes and I would uh, appreciate it if you could um, uh, sponsor. And uh, I'm assuming I will survive running 62 miles. <laughs> I've never run anything like that before. The furthest, before I signed up for this, the furthest I'd ever run was about 13 miles and I was absolutely dead at the end of that. So this is quite a big challenge. I've got 16 weeks to train and get ready for it. Um, and so uh, that's the 13th of July. So our last podcast might be the 12th of July, <laughs> depending yeah. on how this goes. So, um, yeah, so I, I know we don't normally do personal stuff on this, but uh, if uh, people feel so inclined, your support will be very gratefully received. Well, Scotty, I will be the first and, and very happily to, 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 to support that. That is that is as audacious as hell. I can't imagine. I mean, a marathon is 26 some miles. Yes, yeah, but that's it's two and a half marathons, basically. 
how are you going to possibly do that in one day? Are you, are you allowed to kind of run very, very slowly or you can walk some portion of it? Yeah, That's amazing. Um, the, the target time, I think it will probably take about 20 hours. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It's, it's, I think it's, it, we're not, it's definitely not going to be very fast. You can't run fast for that amount of time and distance. Well, I can't. It's going to be more, it's much about endurance. Uh, mm. keeping the food going in, keeping the liquids going in, and just keep mm. keeping the legs moving for as many hours as you can. Um, probably not stopping because once you stop, you'll seize up. So maybe just going more slowly than going and um, just seeing how it goes and uh, maybe then crying quite a lot. <laughs> I would mm. imagine. I, I can't imagine. I mean, you know, I'm sure afterwards if, if I finish, um, which I really, really hope I do, <clears throat> it will be like a real achievement and I'll be really elated. But I'm I'm... Yeah, and I'm sure the first few miles will be fun, and everyone will be, you know, um, about three thousand people sign up to the race. I mean, from you know, there there are some people who are incredibly pro, and they'll do it in about eight hours or something, you know. Um, and then there's people who will just walk it. I've decided to try and run it. Um, some people do it over two days. I'm doing it in one go, straight through. Um, but I'm sure, you know, it will be, you know, other than a few miles of fun at the beginning. After that, it will just be an incredibly miserable time. But um, you know. Um, it will be, not unlike sinking yes <laughs> but it but yeah uh if you want people to you know um uh give you cash to support a cause you've got to show them that you're you know giving something of yourself because it's important to you so i that's what i thought i would do well that that is a lovely thing and i i, I will do my best to help publicize it and, and get you the support that you deserve for this um Thank you very much, sir. So, if people want to tell you, um, you know, what a hero your son is for winning a robotics contest, or you know, um, how silly you were to just fade a view to Alpha, uh, Alpha Zero, uh, where should they do that? Well, you can you can make fun of me on Twitter as Jembe. That's D J E M B E, like the West African drum. Mm. And Scotty, if people want to tell you you're an idiot. Um, for for even thinking that you could do syncing against somebody else's uh, S3 clone, where might they do that? Uh, you can do that on Twitter as MacDevNet or Micro.blog as uh, Scotty. And, of course, you can get hold of both of us at the same time by sending an email to feedback at iDeveloper.co. Well, folks, thanks for listening. Um, and uh, hopefully there's been something of interest in here for you uh, or if we are your normal... Um, uh, antidote to insomnia then i hope it worked <laughs> in which case if it worked then you won't be hearing this bit so i don't know why i even bothered saying that because it's pointless and if it didn't work now all you'll be doing is swearing at us because it didn't work because we were way too interesting <laughs> yeah. there we are who knows right folks thanks for listening and uh till next time you take care